This is an AMI podcast. The summer looks out of her brazen tower through the flashing bars of July. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks, and I'm your host, Ramia Amuthan. Also joining me is Nisreen Abdel-Majid as she joins in our audiobook conversations. We're starting a brand new month, so we're starting a brand new batch of quotes. And you know what? I'm going to be bold and say we're keeping it pretty simple and uh casual through July because July in and of itself is something to celebrate. We're in summer, Nisreen. We're in the the middle of summer, like not just the start of summer, not that kind of fresh feel, but it's the hot, the heat, the humid in most parts of Canada, Ontario specifically. Mm-hmm. Gotta really throw in that heat there. So our quote, um, this one for this week by Francis Thompson He's talking about July and potentially you're thinking it's a little aggressive, you know, kind of thinking of July as a jail cell, (laughs) the flashing bars of July. Um, But it might feel like that. If you're not a fan of the extreme heat, it might feel like that for you. But we're melting into July and embracing it completely with these quotes, Nisreen, because I'll tell you about some of the different... um, things that people are celebrating through July, okay? And and then you can see how vast July is being recognized. So it's deli salad month. It's also grilling month, which doesn't surprise me. Mm. Uh, it's hot dog month, ice cream month, okay, watermelon related. month, okay. horseradish month, God. blueberry month. Are blueberries nice. even in season where we are in I, Ontario? I, I mean, if there's a month for it, apparently. <laughs> I know, it might be. I don't know. I'm so bad with remembering that, but I yeah. think we're we're done with we're done with uh, strawberries. That's what I remember. Uh, then for the fun stuff, it's family reunion month, family golf month. Haven't played golf in my life, uh, and social wellness month. So there are a lot of other uh, things being recognized throughout my, throughout July, but these are the ones that definitely remind me of summer. So which one of these are you going to be uh, taking part in? Uh, I'm thinking blueberry month sounds the best to me. How about you? Grilling month or ice cream month? Oh, ice cream month. I forgot about that. Yeah. No, no, ice cream. Watermelon sounds good to me, but ice cream wins. Don't you agree? Don't you agree? I feel like ice cream beats it. Ice cream is good. But you know what? Horseradish month? I don't know. Not a fan. I guess if you're a fan with horseradish on on your stuff. But like, so what? Like horseradish, okay? Maybe it just doesn't like, get enough love. So we. Have I know. To I'm not. <laughs> I'm not delivering it as much as people would hope. Exactly. This has nothing to do with uh, books and audiobooks, but yeah, it, it is sure. the reason why we're keeping the quotes summery and summer themed. And yes, we will remember the people who are like, "It's too hot. It's too hot for for for." It, during July. I'll remember you guys too when I'm thinking of July quotes. But let's take a look at the CELA homepage uh, because we like to take a glance up at that celalibrary.ca. And these are the three featured titles that are still up there. The Girl in the Middle by Anise Granovsky. Uh, this is a biography. We also have Love That Story, Observations from a Gorgeously Queer Life by Jonathan Van Ness. Humor anthologies for this one. And the final title, Still Just a geek by will wheaton humor 
family and relationships and this is a, a revamp of just a geek which was the first edition of this book nisreen um looking to what's trending anything particular you want to highlight so yeah audiobooks.com tweeted out this week's hottest books and we're starting off with blade breaker by victoria aveyard there's suspects by danielle Steele. Sands of Dune novelist from the world of Dune by Kevin J. Anderson. There's Red on the River by Christine Fihan. And uh, last but not least, Thrust by Lydia Yuknovich. If you want to see more, you can go to audiobooks.com for more of these highlights. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, Ramya, is that we we share the love of Colleen Hoover books. We've, mm-hmm. we've I, I've recently got into that for sure um but it's been trending on social media so very much i mean tiktok and instagram anybody that has social media would understand that colleen hoover is really popping on social media from her books and uh it's creating i think it's it's like the trending book of the season a lot of people have so many reviews about it they love it I haven't heard many negative reviews of her books, but I wanted to ask you because you love her books. Which yep. one is your favorite by far? Oh, oh, this is always a brutal one for me. Um, I would have to say All Your Perfects because that one was a punch in the gut. Um, and now that's very typical of Colleen mm-hmm. Hoover books to feel like they are totally um sending you on a whirlwind of a roller coaster but this one all your perfects was some the the content in it was um almost vicious it it was a lot to take in uh it was a lot to digest it was a lot to get over actually and by get over i mean just move on to another book you know for me i i uh, i found it very difficult to move from that book into another book there there was a lot of time I I spent just feeling it out, just going yeah. through the emotions of it through the book and after the book. I think a lot of people say the same thing of how it's a, yes. an emotional roller coaster with each of her books. And I kind of like that. <laughs> yes, I know. A, a book that makes me think and and sometimes it's triggering for some people and that's why definitely obviously is. before you read it, get to know the book before you're read it or listen to it because it can be triggering um but but I like how it means something I love how each of her book highlights something else and yeah you a lot of people say that they do take time between books because it's a lot to take in yep so yeah and we had Sadine Lowe who was the the person who had introduced me to Colleen Hoover. She came on a couple weeks ago on the show and she was, um, you know, telling us that there are some new books coming out this year and her Mm -hmm. fan base, not Sadine's fan base, (laughs) Colleen's (laughs) fan base uh, is just absolutely tapped in, right? So that's why it's so easy to find Colleen stuff trending uh, all over social, especially Twitter and even the the Facebook pages that she has because um, people are so tapped in and they're so really anticipating when these books are coming out, uh, what the the gist is, what they can get out of it, the teasers and, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And she's responsive also. She's also checking in with her um, fan base regularly, which means they can talk directly to her. 
you know, communicate with her and find out what she's willing to put out there um, on the table about the upcoming book. So that's something to look forward to for sure. I'm Ramia Amadin, the host of the podcast, along with Nisreen Abdel Medid. It's time for us to check in with our friends from SELA Library, the Center for Equitable Library Access. And we do this at the start of every month because we like to kick off the month with some good, good literary news, uh, some updates on what's going on in the world of books and audiobooks and Canadian books, especially. And then we get into some featured titles and recommendations from our friends. So we have Teresa Power, the content and access librarian, as well as Karen McKay, the communications manager for Sila Library. Hello to you both. Welcome to another month. Well, that was nice. It was very instinct. So we have, um, as I said, some literary news and we want to start there. Karen, a lot of awards were given out. So shall we go down the list and talk about some of the uh, congratulations that are due? Absolutely. It's been a busy few weeks. Usually the fall is busy, but this summer it's just been kind of crazy with the number of awards announced. So the first one to talk about is uh, the Griffin Poetry Award. So Nigerian-Canadian physician Tolo Orantoba won the $65,000 Griffin Prize for his debut work of poetry, which is called The Junta of Happenstance. And it explores family dynamics and social justice, injustices, uh, the immigrant experience, economic anxiety really runs a, a full gamut. This collection was also, um, it also won the 2021 Governor General's Literary Award for Poetry. So it's a well-recognized book, excellent piece of work and well worth picking up if you're a poetry lover. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so the next one I want to talk about is the Women's Prize for Fiction. So it was won by Ruth Ozeki, whose book, which is called The Book of Form and Emptiness, won the 2022 prize. Uh, This prize recognizes the year's best novel written by a woman in English, and it's open to authors around the world. So this book features a young boy with a very chaotic life, and he finds refuge in his local public library. So it's kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, It's a very significant prize. It's worth uh, 30,000 euros, so, or sorry, 30,000 pounds. So really quite a substantial prize for that. And then I think the last time we were on, we talked about the Lambda Literary Award. So I wanted to let you folks know that the Canadian author, Alex Olin, won the Lambda Award in the bisexual fiction category for her short story collection, We Want What We Want. So she's a Canadian author. She's based out of BC. Um, we have a couple of her books in our collection, and it's she's an excellent writer. So this is a well-deserved award. Mm-hmm. And then there was one announced just this week, which I want to bring to your attention. Uh, Lisa Bird Wilson won the 2022 Saskatchewan Book of the Year Award uh, for her book called Probably Ruby, which is about a, a young, it's a baby really, who's relinquished as an infant and placed in a foster home and then finally adopted. And the book really delves into um, history and identity. Lisa Bird Wilson is a Métis author. Um, we have a number of her works in our collection as well. And I think this one's a really worthy winner. I, I think this is an excellent book. Yeah, I'm glad that we've been covering these books um, throughout on our show and on Sila. They've been featured um, yeah. as well. And, uh, you know, just to, to give people the awareness that these authors are out there, these are the, the types of, um, you know, content that are being uh, featured. And then to see that they're actually winning these awards is so prestigious, right? 
it's amazing. And it really does give uh, Indigenous authors in particular, but, you know, authors of, of all, from all walks of life, really mm. gives them a boost because we get to talk about them. We get to bring the books to, to the attention of people who might not otherwise know them. You know, they might not be on the front and center in the bookstores or in the yeah. libraries. And so it's a great opportunity. And actually, that's a really nice segue into the last one I want to talk about, which is the Indigenous Voices Award. So this is one of the many organizations that CELA works with to make sure that there's accessible versions of featured titles available to people with print disabilities. And we've just renewed our relationship with him, so we're excited about that. So there's two, um, they, they just announced their awards on June the 21st, and there's two that we have in our collection. The first one is called Treaty Words for As Long as the River Flows by Amy Craft and Luke Swinson. And that one won the graphic novels, comics, and illustrated book category. And then the second one we have in our collection is All the Quiet Places by Brian Thomas Isaac, which won for the uh, published prose category. So we love that this award really nurtures Indigenous writers and provides them a platform uh, to make sure that their books get promoted, their stories get heard, their voices are heard. And so we're really pleased to be working with them again. Fantastic. I'm so grateful for the collaborations, of course, that we are um, all nourishing in some to some capacity to get uh, these books out and especially the work that Sila does. I want to go back to the Women's Prize because that one um, seems really huge for me. Uh, you know, listening to you talk about the the concept of, you know, any women writer around the world, any fiction title, uh, being able to submit their work into this. That's a huge kind of award to run at all. Yeah, I have no idea how many books are published in English by women authors, but yeah. it's not a small small number, clearly. So no. there's quite a huge catalog to draw from. And Ruth Ozeki's a well-known uh, author. She's Canadian-American, and um, you know she has some Asian heritage in her background. And so I think she has some really unique perspectives to offer on um, a variety of topics. So I was really pleased to see this one. And the, the book itself is enchanting. So it's well worth the read. Um, yeah. But it's really, it's a very prestigious award for sure. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, thank you so much. This is a, definitely a lot to cover. And um, we're glad that we can be super timely about that, especially the more recent awards uh, in getting the the winners out here and, and talking about it. So we're going to move to our featured titles because we like going through this with you guys. And you always come up with some kind of theme. And the theme for today is popular books and their read-alikes. So Teresa, before we get started with the actual title, do you want to further explain what this means? what a read-alike is. Sure. I mean, I think that a lot of people, you know, they enjoy a book or they enjoy a genre or they enjoy an author. And, um, you know, often they come to us and they're asking, what what else can I read? Like, you know, I, I really like Colleen Hoover, for example. Um, what else can I read um, that's sort of like a similar genre or has like a similar vibe? So we thought that would be a really neat idea to take um, a book that I actually really enjoy um, enjoyed reading and pick uh, two or three different um, books that, you know, if you like this particular book or, and what we're talking about, yeah, you may also enjoy these other ones as well. I love it. Okay, so what's the book that you really enjoy? So the book that I really enjoy is called The Department of Rare Books and Special Collections. It's by a Canadian Toronto writer, actually, uh, Eva Jerzyk. Um, 
you know, if you read this, if you read the summary of this book, you know, it sounds like a mystery and it definitely is. But I'd also say that, you know, it's a love letter to libraries, librarians and books, or maybe not even like a love letter, but just like a, a you know, if you are a librarian, uh, for example, or, or you, you love books, so there's going to be lots of things, I think, for, for you um, that you, you're also going to like really love uh, to read. And, you know, this is why I chose it as, as kind of a starting point for today's uh, read likes because as a librarian, you know, it, it spoke to me for sure. So um, Rare Books follows uh, Liesl Weiss. She's, you know, suddenly uh, catapulted into the job as director of a Rare Books library. The previous director um, had a medical emergency and a recent Rare Book acquisition also went missing at the same time. So Liesl takes it upon herself to get to the bottom of the book disappearance before donors and, you know, other higher ups get wind of, you know, what's happened. And the question is, was this rare book stolen? Was it misplaced? Uh, was it an inside job? You know, I can't tell mm. you, but it's, um, it's, it's a good little mystery. But, you know, why I love this book it's not so much about the mystery. It's more about like the library landscape, the lingo. It's so familiar. Um, the author works for University of Toronto. You know, so I, I know exactly this rare book library that's that, you know, she's kind of using as inspiration for sure. I took yep. classes there as a library, a library student as well. Um, and also, you know, at the later part of her career, Liesl has been up to that point doing like very critical work in the library. You know, the stuff that really keeps the library going, the library focus, but it's so often looked at as menial. So while I think this book is a mystery and also like this, um, you know, pseudo love letter to books. I also think that, you know, it, it really looks at women in the job, women at a certain time in their career in the job and the work that they do, because there's a lot in here about um, how she uh, interacts with her male counterparts, how people value or really don't value the work that she does and mm. you know how she's also undermined all the time so there's also um that as well that can be very relatable to people I'm sure okay so now I'm very curious about what the read alike is going to be because this feels <laughs> this feels like it covers a lot Teresa but I I love your um, phrase about it being a love letter to books so Karen can we give it our best shot for the first read-alike? Absolutely. So the, the book that I chose for this is called Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. So he was the author folks might be familiar with. He wrote A Man Called Ove, which was a huge blockbuster, uh, number one New York Times bestseller. So this book, Anxious People, takes place in a small Swedish town. It's in the week between Christmas and New Year's. And it's a comedy about a crime that never took place, a would-be bank robber who disappears into thin air and eight very anxious strangers. 
So the story is that a distraught parent who's trying to hold their life together plans to rob a bank and things kind of go awry. So the robber, when the robbery fails, the robber flees and bursts into an apartment viewing down the street and takes everyone in the apartment hostage. And this is where we meet these eight kind of quirky strangers. First, there's Zara, who's a wealthy bank director, and she's been too busy to care about anyone else until a tragedy changes her life. Now she's obsessed with visiting open houses to see how ordinary people live and to try and right a wrong. And we meet Roger and Annalena, who are a retired couple, and they're addicted to fixer-uppers and they're addicted to Ikea. Um, and they sort of use that to cover up the fact that they don't really actually know how to fix their own failing marriage. There's another couple, Julia and Roe, and they are a young lesbian couple, and they're about to become parents, and they're very anxious about that, in part because they can't seem to agree on anything. So they don't know how life's going to go when they introduce a baby into the world. And then lastly, there's Estelle, who's an 80-year-old woman. She's lived long enough that she is totally unimpressed by the robber. And despite the fact that she's telling people that she's there to see the apartment for her daughter and her husband, that's not actually the case. And we get to learn more about her. So the tension sort of mounts as the police officers, including a father and son duo, surround the provinces and uh, television channels are broadcasting the hostage situation live. It's a small town, so the police really don't have any experience with hostage taking. So they're Googling what to do, which I just find <laughs> was hilarious. The book is like hilariously funny. Uh, Bachman's got a really sarcastic, witty, dark sense of humor, which makes this book work. He also is amazing at writing dialogue, and he has a really great understanding of human nature, and all that comes into play in this book. So it's also a study on compassion, I think. The story is populated by these very quirky characters. None of them are super lovable in the beginning, but we learn to love them as you go through the book. They let their anxieties be on full display during the hostage taking, as you can ima imagine. Uh, but the book's very heartwarming. It's got a very uplifting end and it reminds you that everybody has a story. Many of those stories will make you both laugh and cry at the same time. Great book, perfect beach read, nice and light, uplifting. If you need to turn away from some of the dark news happening, this is a great pick. Mm. Okay, so I'm starting to to connect the dots between the first one and this read-alike. So we have time for one more. Karen, do you want to give us one more read-alike to the first book? Sure. So the other book that uh, I've got on my list is called The Cartographers, and it's a novel by Peng Shepard. Peng Shepard was the author of The Book of M, which was another blockbuster. So this story is new this year, and it follows Nell Young, whose whole life and greatest passion is all about cartography. Her father, Dr. Daniel Young, is a legend in the field, and she and he's Nell's personal hero. But they've had a falling out over a uh, professional disagreement, basically. And then she finds out that he's been found dead in his office at the New York Public Library. So you can see some of the connections here about why there's, these are read-alikes. And they, the, uh, the fight that they had was over a worthless map. Nell finds this worthless nap hidden in his desk. She can't understand why he's kept it if he thinks it's worthless. And so she goes on this journey to find out why he's been keeping this map in his desk for so long. While she's on this journey, she finds um, lots of family secrets. She uncovers not only secrets about her dad, but also about her long dead mother. So this book is a, a very different book. It's part family drama. It's part relationship drama. It's part crime th thriller. And it's also part fantasy or magical realism. So you have to sort of suspend belief a little bit for this. It's a very innovative storyline. It's a very long book too. It's almost 15 hours, but it's very fast paced. And if you love maps or if they fascinate you, you're going to love this book. 
if maps isn't a topic you've explored before, you're going to learn a lot and don't skip the afterword by the author, which really adds a lot of understanding to the book. Mm. One of the comments that I read about this was that um, the the critic really praised the diversity and representation in the cast of characters, which is something that I love to see in this book. So really, there's something for everybody. Uh, it's going to draw you in and capture you for sure. And I, it's just one of those books that I think will um, sit with you for a long time. So we started off with the Department of Rare Books and Special Collections by Eva Jurisic, uh, and that was the the book that Teresa loved. And then we started the comparison process there. Uh, a read alike for that was Anxious People by Frederick Bachman, and then we ended off with The Cartographers, a novel by Peng Shepard. Karen and Teresa, thank you so much. This was a really fun theme. I think we're going to have to revisit this read-alike thing uh, and appreciate you both bringing all of these recommendations to the table along with our literary news updates. That'd be great. We'd love to chat about these again. Awesome. Karen McKay and Teresa Power from the Center uh, for Equitable Library Access, selalibrary.ca, to find out some of these titles that we've chatted about today. We'll be back next week when we'll be into another conversation around audiobooks. I'm Ramia Amuthan with Nisreen Abdelmajid, and this is AMI Audiobook Review. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.